Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for Scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part three of the second book of Samuel, chapters two through four, and now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Today, Hebron is a Palestinian city in the southern West Bank. It's a contentious area. I've never visited the cave at Machpelah, although I'd like to. It's a very old city, one of the oldest biblical cities, and that second holiest spot for Jews, that cave that Abraham bought from the Hittite. Abraham really, really, really wanted that cave, and he got gouged, remember? And he bought that cave This is an old city. The Lord even mentioned it in uh, Numbers, in the book of Numbers. He sent men out to spy the land of Cana, and one of the cities they came to was Hebron. It says it was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. So it was a very, very old city. Samson, the judge, remember Samson? He had ripped the gates off of Gaza and brought those gates up to the top of Mount Hebron. So it's mentioned in the Bible. It's an important city. Now, sin always brings with it division. And starting with Adam, sin will bring division between spouses. Right after they sinned, remember when God asked Adam what happened and Adam immediately threw Eve under the bus? He blamed it on her. The woman that you gave me, remember? So sin causes division with Noah. Remember, he gets a new creation and he plants a vineyard and he gets drunk. Ham, the father of Cana, saw the nakedness of his father, the Hebrew idiom for maternal incest. So it was division against spouses. I'm sure that didn't go over very well between the two spouses. And it also did not go over well between the brothers because two of the brothers didn't go for that. Abraham, we see the sin when Sarah offers an apple to her husband. Why don't you take your maidservant, Hagar, from Egypt and sleep with her and she can give me the baby? Because we're not getting pregnant. We're not waiting on the Lord anymore. This is enough. So he does. And immediately they have contempt for one another. The two women, Sarah says, and and she says, the minute she got pregnant, she had contempt for me. And she's rattling on to, to Abraham. Sarah said to Abraham, may the wrong done to me be done to you. I gave you my maid for your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me, Abraham. So now they have division between the spouses. We have the two women fighting. We have the two spouses fighting. Abraham said to Sarai, behold, your maids in your power. Do with her as you please. And Sarah dealt very harshly with her and she fled. So we have division among spouses, division among fellow wives, and division among the two brothers that are born, Ishmael and Isaac. And there's division to this day. So sin always brings division. And all through Genesis, we saw that some brothers were favored over others. Remember that? Abel got favored over Cain. Isaac was favored over Ishmael. Jacob was favored over Esau. And on and on and on. We're to David now. And we're in 2 Samuel. And we see two kings. Both of these are sons of Israel. Both are sons of Israel, the nation. One king is favored by people. The other king is favored by God. One, the older brother of Israel versus the younger brother, the favored brother. The house of Benjamin or the house of Judah? Well, Jacob's final blessing again. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring the prey and at evening dividing the spoil. 
How about David from the house of Judah? This is the line that has the blessing. This is the fourth son of Jacob. This is the one who got the father's right-hand blessing. One, two, three, didn't get it. Four, got it. Judah, your brothers are going to praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down before you. Your scepter, which means royalty, a scepter, will not depart from Judah, nor the ruling staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. David is in this line. Jesus is in this line. This is the line. 2 Samuel 2 is the story of King David. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And when they told David that it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who had buried Saul, David sent messengers to those men. And he said, may you be blessed among the Lord. You showed loyalty to Saul, your Lord, and you buried him. David says, this is a good thing. You have been men of valor. You have held high the office of God's anointed one. Because now David's next up, right? David's, this is David now. Therefore, let your hands be strong and be valiant, for Saul, your Lord, is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. He's maybe hoping they'll come over to his side. And Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, had taken Ishbaoth Sheth, the son of Saul, Saul's last living son, and brought him over to Mahaniam. And Abner made Ishbosheth king over Gilead and the Asherites and Jezreel and Ephraim and Benjamin and all Israel. So, Abner is saying the new king is Saul's son. Abner was the commander of Saul. He was the commander of Saul's army. You might remember David sparing his life yet a second time when David snuck in with his nephew. Saul was encamped with 3,000 officers, and David and his nephew Ashbosheth sneak past all the Lord had put into a deep sleep. And Ashbosheth, the nephew, is ready to spear Saul. He says, David, we got him. Uncle David, we can do this. I can kill him. I can one pin him. My one, I can do it with one stroke of my spear, not twice. And David says, no, this is God's anointed one. We're just going to take his spear and his water jug. Remember that? And that's what they did. And they snuck away. And then they went to the top of the mountain. And David called across to Saul and the 3,000 men when they woke up. And he said, Abner, will you not answer Abner? And Abner answered, who is it that calls to the king? And David said, Abner, are you not a man who is like you in all Israel? Why have you not kept watch over your Lord, the king? This thing that you have done is not good. You deserve to die, Abner, because you have not kept watch over the Lord's anointed Messiah, Saul. That's who Abner is. Now Saul is dead. Abner is the commander-in-chief, and he has made Saul's fourth son, last son, the king of Israel. Now Ishbaal, Saul's son, was 40 years old, and he began to reign over Israel, and he had a very long reign of two years. Ishbaath means man of shame. This was his name, man of shame. And what's the real story here? The house of Judah followed David. And at that time, David was king of Hebron. David's going to rule over the house of Judah. And the scripture says he ruled for seven and a half years over Judah. So we have to remember these wars are going on a long time. Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon. And we see here a genealogy of, of Saul. Saul's father is Kish. Abner's father is Ner. Saul and Abner are then cousins. And Joab, the son of Zariah, who's Zariah? That's a woman's name. Zariah was David's sister. And she has three nephews that are 
in David's army. The servants of David go out and meet at the pool of Gibeon. That This is Gibeon today, and they have found this pool where this fight took place. Jeremiah spoke of the same pool some 400 years later in chapter 41. And in 1956, archaeologists actually discovered the pool of Gibeon. It was six miles north of Jerusalem, and there's a tunnel that runs from this pool to Jerusalem, and they dug this 80 feet deep sometime before 1000 BC. Now, this is where this showdown takes place. They sit down, these two sides, and one's on one side of the pool, the other's on the other side of the pool. And Abner says to Joab, David's commander, let the young men arise and play before us. And Joab said, let them arise. And they arose and they passed over by number 12 for Benjamin and Ishbaoth, Sheth, the son of Saul, and 12 for the servants of David. So we're going to just, instead of all the armies fighting, we're just going to take 12 of your guys and 12 of your guys, and we're going to let them have at it, and we'll see who wins. Then we don't all have to die. We'll just put 12 against 12. They did this in the ancient world. This was common in Greece. And so they're all watching, and they put their 12 out, and they put their 12 out. They caught each opponent by the head, and they thrust their sword into their opponent's side, so they fell down together. So the guys who are fighting have made a pact of some kind that they're going to just kill each other simultaneously, each pair of 12. This is odd. Why would anyone do this? There's no winners then. 12 are dead on each side and everybody's watching. It's even Stephen, right, Steve? It's even Stephen, 12 to 12. And so they had to fight the entire armies opposing one another. Why? Because these are bloodthirsty men who want to fight for the sake of fighting. Some could have gone home to their families. No. We're going to make it. We're going to promise each other we'll kill each other simultaneously, and then we can continue the fighting. And the battle was very fierce that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by the servants of David. Now, something's happening here. David's group is getting stronger and stronger, and Saul's group, which is Abner and his son, is getting weaker and weaker. The three sons of Zariah, this is, these are David's three nephews, they were there. Their names are Joab, David's commander, Abishai who stole the water jug and the spear, and Asheol, three of David's nephews. And Asheol was known to be swift of foot like a gazelle. He's a super fast runner, is what that means. And Asheol pursued Abner. And as he went, he turned neither to the right nor to the left. That means he is single-focused. I'm getting Abner. He is so focused, and he can run so fast. And Abner looked behind him and said, Is that you, Asheol? And he answered, It is I. And Abner said to him, turn aside to your right or to your left. Seize some of the other young men. Take their spoil. Asheol, the name means made by God. Asheol was known for his swiftness of foot like a gazelle in an open field. Asheol would not turn away from following Abner. He is just so bent on this. And Abner said again, a second time, turn away from following me. Abner is the commander of Saul's army. He is a very experienced warrior. He does not want to kill this young kid, this nephew of King David and the brother of the commander Joab of David's army. I'm not killing this kid. Why should I smite you to the ground? How then could I lift up my face to your brother Joab, the opposing commander? As Ashiel refused to turn to the side, therefore Abner smote him in the belly with the butt of the spear. Is that the side you use when you want to kill someone, the butt of the spear or the point of the spear? He kills him with the butt of the spear so that the spear came all the way through his body and out his back. Now remember, he is running so fast that he impales himself with the blunt end of Abner's spear. Ashiel refused to turn to the right 
or the left. Therefore, Abner smote him in the belly with the butt of his spear, so that the spear came out of his back, and there he fell, and he died, and there he was, and all those who came to the place where Ashiel had fallen and died stood still. Everybody froze. Everybody froze. They all stood still because Abner had just killed the brother of Commander Joab, also the nephew of King David. And he gave him ample warnings. He didn't want to kill him. The spirit went all the way through his back. There's a lot of, of woodcuts and paintings of this. Everyone stood still. Abner's killed David's nephew. Joab and Abishai pursued Abner. Now Abishai is the other brother that had stolen the water jug. The sun's going down. They come to the hill of Amah, which lies before Gera on the way. The Benjamites gather themselves behind Abner. They become one band. And they're standing at the top of the hill. And Abner calls out to Joab, shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know the end will be bitter? How long will it be before you bid your people turn from the pursuit of their brethren? And Joab said, if God lives, if you had not spoken, surely the men would have given up the pursuit of their brethren in the morning. So Joab blew the trumpet and all the men stopped and they pursued Israel no more, nor did they fight anymore. Abner and his men went all the way that night through the Arabah. They crossed the Jordan. They marched the whole forenoon. They came to Mahanaim. Joab, David's nephew and the general returned from the pursuit of Abner, Saul's cousin. And when Joab had gathered all the people together, they were missing. They did a head count of David's servants. There are 19 dead beside his nephew, Ashael. So 20 are dead on David's side. And on the others, the servants of David had slain of Benjamin 360 of Abner's men. So the tally for this battle is 20 of David's men dead versus 360 of Abner's. All these guys are brothers. They're all from the 12 tribes of Israel. They're killing themselves. These aren't even the Philistines. These aren't the enemy. These are themselves. They took up Ashiel, Joab's brother, David's nephew. They buried him in the tomb of his father, which was at Bethlehem. Remember, David is from Bethlehem, Jesse's son. Joab and his men marched all night. They broke day at Hebron. There was a long war, a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. And then we get a little break to talk about David's wives. Remember triumphant David and all the women were going crazy for him? Way more than Saul. Saul's only killed this many. David's killed this many. Remember in Deuteronomy 17, 17, I just read to you that a king shall not multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. He shouldn't do that, the Lord said. David had his first wife, Michal, Saul's daughter, Jonathan's sister. She's gone somewhere else now. His second wife, Abigail, remember Nabal the fool, he's struck dead, his heart turns to stone, and then David proposes to Abigail the widow. David also took the woman from Jezreel, Anaheim, and now we're told that he has why four, five, six, and seven in this next section. So he has four more wives. So now we know he has at least seven wives. And don't miss December 16th when we meet Bathsheba. She'll be wife number eight. And then many other concubines were told in Chronicles. So we're told the names of David's sons from all these different wives. You see David is building up his household, right? Children are always a blessing from the Lord. And David's told to multiply, and he is. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. So he's doing the same thing. Saul had a concubine. Her name was Rizpah. And Ishbaah said to Abner, why have you gone into my father's concubine? So this is a power play, in my opinion. 
In Genesis 35, remember when Jacob was mourning his beloved Rachel? She died on the roadside giving birth to Benjamin. While Jacob was gone, his oldest son Reuben made a power play on one of his maidservants, Bilhah, and slept with her. And Jacob never forgot that. And it's the reason that Reuben lost the blessing. He was the firstborn son. He should have had the blessing, the right-hand blessing of the father. But Jacob says in his last words to Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, the first fruit of my strength, preeminent in pride, preeminent in power, but you are unstable as water. You shall not have the blessing. You went into your father's bed, you defiled it, and you went up to my couch. So he slept with his father's maidservant while his father was gone mourning his dead wife. And that's a power play. He's trying to take over David's household by doing that. So there was a war between the house of Saul and David. And Saul now is dead, but he had a concubine. And Abner is being accused by Ishbosheth of going into his father's concubine. This is a power play. It makes Abner very angry over the words of Ishbaoth. And he said, Am I a dog's head of Judah? I mean, he's running this army. This kid doesn't know what to do. Abner's running the show for Israel. This day I kept showing loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to your brothers, to your friends. And you have not given, I have not given you into the hand of David. And yet you charge me today with a fault concerning a woman. Are you serious? He's so offended. And so to Abner and more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom of the house of Saul and to set it up for the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. It sounds like Abner is going to defect. Abner knows which side is winning, and it's not the side that he is on. So God, do so to Abner and more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David. So Ishbaoth couldn't answer Abner another word because he feared Abner. This man is a great commander. He's much older than him. And Abner has threatened to change alliances now. Abner sent message to David at Hebron, saying, To whom does this land belong? Make your covenant with me, and behold, that my hand shall be with you and bring all of Israel over to you, David. And he said, Good, I'll make a covenant with you, but one thing I require of you, Abner, that is, you will not see my face unless you first bring me Michal, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbaoth to say, Give me my wife, Michal, whom I betrothed for the price of a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, which we know he tipped him a hundred percent. It was two hundred foreskins. Ishbaoth sent and took her from her husband, Paltiel, the son of Laish. But the husband went with her, weeping after her all the way to Bahim. And Abner said, Go return. And he returned. And Abner conferred with the elders of Israel, saying, For some time past, you've been seeking David as king over you. Now then bring it about, for the Lord has promised David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people from Israel, from the hand of the Philistines, and from the hand of all their enemies. He must be remembering back when David killed Goliath. And there was a blessing, there was anointing on David. Abner spoke to Benjamin, and Abner went to tell David at Hebron and all Israel, and the whole house of Benjamin thought good to do it. They're going to defect to the other side. Abner came with 20 men to David at Hebron. David made a great feast for Abner and the men who were there with him. And Abner said to David, I will arise and go. I will gather all of Israel to my lord, the king, and they will make a covenant with you, David, that you may reign until your heart desires over all. So David sent Abner away. He went away in peace. Just then the servants of David arrived with Joab from a raid, bringing much spoil with them. And Abner was not with David in Hebron. He had gone away. He had been sent in peace. And Joab and all the army that was with him, it was told to Joab, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king and he has let him go and he has gone in peace. And Joab was furious. What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you and you have sent him away and he's gone. 
Why is he upset? Abner killed his brother with the butt of his spear. And you let him go? He killed my brother. You know that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you, don't you? You know you're going out and you're coming in. He's putting a doubt in his mind, in the mind of David. You know, you know. Joab came out from David's presence. He met the messengers of Abner. They brought him back from the cistern of Sarah, and David didn't know about it. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the midst of the gate to speak with him privately. And there he smote him in his belly, and he died for the blood of Ashael, Joab's brother. He got revenge. He killed him the same way his brother had been killed. And when David heard of this, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it fall upon the head of Joab and may all his father's house and may the house of Joab never be without anyone who has a discharge, which means an infection of their genitals, or who is leprous, which means they will be separated and isolated from the community, or anyone who holds a spindle, which means they will be reduced to the work of a woman spinning yarn, or slain by the sword, which means they'll be killed in battle, or who lacks bread, which means they'll be poor or in famine. David is cursing Joab. Joab and Abishai, his brother, slew Abner because he had killed their brother Ashiel at the battle at Gibeon. It's sheer revenge, bloodthirsty, cold-blooded murder. Joab and Ashiel, the brother, slew Abner because he had killed their brother in battle. They wanted an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, rend your clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourn before Abner. And King David followed the buyer. They buried Abner at Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. David goes to the tomb of Abner and weeps. This tomb is still there to this day. This is King Saul's top fighter, Abner Ben-Ner. He was part of the tumultuous history of the Jewish kingdom. His final resting place is in Hebron today, the once capital city of King David in the West Bank, Palestine now. This is the tomb inside the tomb of Abner Ben-Ner first cousin to Saul, commander of the army. The king lamented for Abner, saying, Should Abner die as a fool's dies? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not feathered. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept again over Abner. And all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was yet day. But David swore, saying, God, do so to me, and more also, if I taste bread or anything else until the sun goes down. David will fast a full 24 hours for Abner. And all the people took notice of this, and it pleased them. And everything King David did pleased all the people. Hmm, They like this guy. Everything the king did pleased all the people. Can you please all the people all the time? Like I please you guys every single week? No, I'm kidding. Saul, remember, was favored by people. David was favored by God. All the people of Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's will to slay Abner, the son of Ner. And the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I am this day weak. He's been fasting. I am weak, though anointed king. These men, the sons of Zerah, my nephews are too hard for me. Do you ever feel that way with your own kids? These nephews, oh, they are too hard for me. The Lord requite the evildoer according to his wickedness. And when Ishbiah, Saul's son, heard that Abner had died at Hebron, his courage failed. His chief commander is now dead, and all Israel is dismayed, and his courage is failing. Is this the king you want to follow, Ishbiah, or do you want to be on Team David? Saul's son had two men who were captains of 
raiding bands. The name of one was Benya, the name of the other was Rechab, sons of Ramon, a man of Benjamin, and Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son, they want us to know this, who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when news of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. Remember the day they died, the day they were killed? The nurse took up the little five-year-old child of Jonathan and fled. And as she fled in her haste, she fell, and the child became lame for life. And his name was Mephithosheth, which means from the mouth of shame. I want you just to remember him because we're going to hear about him in three subsequent upcoming stories. Now, they come in the heat of the day. They came to the house of Ishbosheth, and he was taking his noonday rest. The doorkeeper of the house had been cleaning weed all day, and she grew drowsy and slept. Rachel and Banaha, his brother, slipped right in. And what did they do? They come into the house, and there's Ishabah, Saul's last son, lying in his bed on his bedchamber, and they smote him, and they slew him, and they beheaded him. They took his head and they went away all through the Araba all night long. They brought the head of Ishbaioth, the last living son of Saul, to David at Hebron. And they said to the king, here is the head of Ishtaboth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. The Lord has avenged my Lord David, the king, this day of Saul and his offspring. Is David going to like this? Does this please David? David answered, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life out of every adversity. See how he trusts the Lord? When one told me, behold, Saul is dead, and he thought he was bringing good news, and I seized him and slew him at Ziglag, which was the reward I gave him for his good news. Remember that? How much more then, wicked men, have slain a righteous man in his own house upon his own bed? Shall I not require your blood at your hand and destroy you from the face of the earth? And David ordered that these two men be killed and that their hands and feet be cut off and that they be hanged beside the pool at Hebron. They took the head of Ishbosheth and they buried it in the tomb of Abner at Hebron, where it still is to this very day. So we've gone from Adam to David. Adam was asked by God to guard the garden. Remember, to shamar the garden. David is asked by God to guard his area of the promised land, a new garden. From Eden to Zion, David will make Zion the new Eden. Next week, he's going to go and take Jerusalem, the holy city. Adam's garden was Eden. David's garden will be called Jerusalem, the city of shalom, peace. God gave Adam a sheer gift and just this beautiful garden of paradise and only asked that he would trust his word. God will give David a sheer gift. He'll conquer everything, but just trust my word. Once we are given everything, what happens? Saul wanted to please the people. David always wanted to please God. But once we're given everything, if you don't continue to always trust God and know his word and trust his word, then we too will fall. Especially when you're given everything, everything, every good and perfect gift from some God. We're given everything and it's not enough. And we don't know his word and we don't trust his word and we get self-sufficient and we get self-reliant and we too will fall. Will David continue to follow God's word? Will he strive to be favored by God always or by people? Because right now the people love every single thing that he does all the time. How about you? Is it more important for you to have the praise of people or the favor of God? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your servant David. Thank you for what he's teaching us. Thank you for his character. Thank you for his virtue. Thank you that he's a man after your own heart. Thank you that we have the same word of God in our hands that he did. Help us to always follow your word and to please you more than we please people. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was part three of the second book of Samuel, chapters two through four, on Seeking Truth 
with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.